Hi, my name is Tony DeBono, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dumbledore. Wait, what's that? The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the big show. Episode 188 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your forever faithful host, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting across from me, just as faithful as me and as eager to get this rolling after after two football games today, an awards show, and the Democratic debate on NBC, raring to go. I'm delaying introducing her, and she is champing at the bit. All right, enough. Brittany Page, everybody. Okay, enough with several things. <laughs> One, that was very weak. Two. What was weak? How dare you? The intro was weak. How dare you? Yeah, and two. I just want to illustrate to our audience that it has been a very full day. The football, first of all, which mm-hmm. you love. No, I when don't. football gets enjoyed no. <laughs> in your presence. I love when football is enjoyed yeah, in my you, presence. Yeah, you love it a lot. Yeah. Then you forced upon me the Critics' Choice Award. I didn't force it. It was just on. It was on. I was I was barely even and watching it. the Democratic primary debate held in South Carolina. That was All more important. Things. Yes. It's been a busy weekend. Uh, this Friday... We went to Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles and watched Casey Abrams. Mm-hmm. He is a former finalist or finalist? Mm, I think so. He's a former contestant on American Idol and he did very well and He made it in like the top 10. Yeah, we we both really enjoy his tunes and he's, you know, kind of a a, a hippie and it was a good time. I've never been to Hotel Cafe, which is kind of a a venue for up and coming musicians and uh it was real good. Yeah, I was very impressed. Very good. After which, we went to our... Every time we go to a show in L.A., it's always late when you get out of there. So we always go to Cantor's Deli. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy some traditional Jewish deli food. Some delicious corned beef, yeah, pastrami. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's become a tradition. Pickles. Especially after this particular time, it has been cemented as an official tradition of Jesse Dollimore. And Brittany Page. Yeah, something that is not a tradition when we go to counters, though, is using the bathroom. <laughs> I wondered if you were going to go there. Because I went to the bathroom. And I have never gone. It was thrashed. Well, let me tell the story. Well, I'm telling about my experience going to the bathroom. I don't know what yours was like. No, no, no. no. I'm not even talking. I'm just saying how it went down. You went to the bathroom, and women, they hover. They do their thing. Yeah, I hover a lot you came back to the table and i alerted you you were the only one with me that uh i needed to go mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a eh, i better go to the bathroom before we drive back to orange county an hour i said i need to go to the bathroom in other words jesse d was having a tum time 
everybody. And it was of uh, the emergency. It was type. Near, nearing <laughs> emergency. Emergency tum time. So, I after having informed Brittany Page of this news, she warned me with both a wildly cautious face, a face filled with alarm, mm-hmm. letting me know, don't do that. You're not going to be happy, and I'm not going to be happy if you subject your body to the onslaught of bacteria, germs, and likely disease that will be there. Because Jesse D doesn't hover. Men don't hover. So he would be... It's not just me. Men don't... I don't know any man that hovers. Okay. Well, that is unfortunate. And also, I don't want to know that. Because I like to, when I meet people, think, you know, they're just like me. They hover. And it's... (laughs) They are very mindful of germs, and I appreciate that about well, them. Well, here's what happened. I, I marched upstairs purposefully. <laughs> no, I had I was on a mission. Oh I, I was God. going to take care of the business at hand. This is so dramatic. And when I got up there, I marched into the bathroom. Oh, God. Looked into the stall. Not good. Turned on my heels and walked <laughs> right out of there. Was there someone in there? No. Someone had been in there. If they were, they were either a toddler who finger painted with poop or some kind of vandal oh my God. Who, who does indoor graffiti with their own leavens. With their own leavens. Yeah. Their own creation. So in other words, there was poop everywhere. It was a lot of poop. And smeared, you said. It, not, well, just, no, no. not just we, splashes. Listen, we were in a Jewish deli, so it was smeared <laughs> everywhere. It was not good. Listen, there, there was no way that I would have even hovered. I Luckily, the door... <laughs> I'm, listen, I'm not kidding. The door walking into the bathroom oh, was already God. open, so I didn't even have to touch anything going in. Yeah. And I, I think I need to go get a hepatitis test. <laughs> Just because I was in the presence of the... You were breathing. Certainly poop poop particle filled room. Yeah. It was... Listen, I don't think that I'm the type, and the audience can probably verify this. I'm not the type to use the word atrocious, (laughs) but goddamn, it was not good. It makes you wonder what happened in there. No, it makes me wonder why all that is not happening. The staff clearly knows... That there is an issue up there. Why oh. are they not cleaning it? Well, no. At least going up there with a steam... Oh, it just... Oh, it's no good. No. Canters. Delhi. Canters on Fairfax. Listen, we love you. <laughs> we love you. But you got to get a handle on that. That is... That is problematic, to say the least. No well, good. come on. If, if you worked there, are you going to be eager to be sponging that down? No. Yeah, there's lots of things. They're you, hiding listen, out. They are not going in there. There are lots of things that one might encounter during the course of their duties at a job that they're not a fan of. Those things still need to be done. They st- it's just the way it is. So stop making excuses for what is clearly a health violation. Well, who who did it? I'm more interested in that. I want to know who did it and what they did. Was it with their hands? <laughs> did it just like they lost control? Like what happened? I don't know. We're moving on. I can't do it. We I'm gotta, interested. We, we have too much show to if get to. If they're listening, go ahead and like send us a secret message. A secret me- Just don't. If you're going to do it, send it via uh, the phone, 657 464 
7609 or email us a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com because I certainly do not want you to scrawl in your poop calligraphy and mail it to us as a message. And just so everyone knows, Jesse D did make it home. We did not. I, I did not use the bathroom. He did not S his pants. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, as you would expect, faithful audience, am quite disciplined. My bowels are very, very disciplined. I can't believe you allowed me to, to have this kind of bathroom talk and humor for almost nine minutes now. You know, you're surprised that I'm allowing the bathroom humor. You're talking to someone who very much upset someone at the Thanksgiving table for talking about puke. <laughs> right. So I'm not going right. to have a problem with it. That's for next time. Listen. That is not for next this time. This is the perfect segue. We go from talking about shit <laughs> to move on to talk about the shit that is going on within the Republican Party right now and how embarrassed they must be. For the fact that the the what is good for the goose is now good for the gander, and there mm. is a question of birther. Good job. Yeah, you like that? Mm -hmm. That was uh, it was a long way to get there. For Ted Cruz, we talked about it last time, and as a part of follow up, we got a listener communication, as it were, via voice memo, and it is surrounding that very topic. Hey guys, Dan from Oceanside. Hey, can you clear something up for me? Because I think you've touched on it a couple times, but I'm, I'm really curious of, of uh, your opinions, Jesse and Brittany, about the Ted Cruz birth sit, uh, situation. Um, I, I have all these family members and, and friends that are, that are conservatives, and I can't, they get so indignant about the Ted Cruz situation, and yet this is the same discussion I've been having with them for six or seven years about Obama's situation, which is that, it doesn't matter if he was born in Kenya or on the moon. If his parent, his mom in this case, is a U.S. citizen, then he's a U.S. citizen. And now scholarship is showing that to be the case with Cruz. The bizarre part is where's the, like, this duality coming from from uh, conservatives? Now they're, they're really pissed off that people would dare... Uh, you know, distrust their candidate or, or shine some light on this when they just spent seven or eight years doing it to the guy they don't like. Um, maybe it's Kenya instead of Canada. Who knows? So anyways, guys, uh, just listen into the uh, wrap-up of the last debate and thought that was interesting and hope you guys are well. Love the show. Bye. Awesome. Listen, uh, there's all kinds of stuff that's super fascinating to me about this. One is the fact that the reason I think this has become more of a thing where people are, are now noticing that this is the deal and recognizing that there is this blatant air of hypocrisy on the part of the Republican Party right now and the Republican uh, Party, and I don't just mean the party mechanism, but also the, the human beings involved with the party, the, the supporters, is the fact that typically when this happens, let's, let's, let's use this example, dealing with cloture. Uh, the, the vote to limit debate, to not allow a filibuster, to, to have a certain set time for debates, and then they end and then they vote. Well, when the Democrats were in office, where we were in power in the Senate, they all the time would bitch and complain and want to change the rules of the Senate in order to limit debate artificially with new procedures, parliamentary procedures. Well, then the Republicans, they do the exact same thing. 
But that's such a nerd. That's such a nerd thing. You got to be a real political nerd to remember those times because they're, you know, four, six years apart when there's a switch in power. Well, this, everybody remembers Obama and the birth certificate craziness. And so now that it's happening to Ted Cruz, he's getting his just desserts. All your regular laymen politically, they remember that. And it's it's a big deal. So I think it's uh, just polarization. So the political parties have become more polarized and they view the other side as the enemy. So when Dan sure. asks, what is it about the Republicans that are getting so indignant that people are questioning Raphael Edward Cruz and his citizenship? Well, it's the polarization. That's what I would say. That yeah. It's just the bias and they don't trust Obama. They believe Barack Obama is evil. And they believe that whoever is a conservative is good to go, perfect, awesome. Well, which also... And vice versa. You're correct. And evidence of that would be the fact that Donald Trump is not really a Republican. Come on. He's not really a Republican. And he is enjoying massive support on a, on a wide scale. I think that, that we'll get to that. But I think that his support is waning. Um, but up to this point, he has experienced wild support, and it has nothing to do with uh, your actual stances, your actual ethos, your actual fundamental core beliefs as a man, as an American, as a politician. It has more to do with what letter is capitalized and put parenthetically after your name. Right. Now he has an R, so all of the R's have to jump behind him no matter what kind of crazy shit he proposes. Right. And not just jump behind the person that has an R behind their name, but viciously attack and view as the enemy yes. anyone who has a D. Yes. Uh, That's exactly right. Behind their name. So it is really frustrating because, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of this personally on my Facebook feed. Just yesterday, someone shared a link and it said, uh, you know, you need to listen to this. And the link said, a, a Holocaust survivor describes the bone chilling similarities between Hitler and Obama. <laughs> and I mean, you know, if you're sharing things like this, you're just you're not a rational. Well, person, what's what's great you know? about the, her particular sharing of that article was it doesn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. This is just so important. You really need to watch this when it's clearly wildly partisan bullshit right and 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 it only it only serves to further divide right absolutely so when you make these direct attacks and you're comparing president of the united states barack obama to a murderous racist right a genocidal megalomaniac who wanted to exterminate the jews right listen donald trump's not a good guy but eh, he's an asshole He's not a genocidal maniac. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, but this is what polarization does. Absolutely. It, it, it makes you not think clearly. And, yes. and these people are not thinking clearly. That's why they can't go, oh, huh, we were questioning Barack Obama this whole time. Here's Ted Cruz in a similar situation. Hmm, maybe we need to kind of correct our thinking Right, here. there's no self-analysis. Right. It, there's no, huh, well, were we wrong then? Maybe right. I should uh, reevaluate right. how I think. Right. Not what I think, but how I think about things. Yes, how. As Christopher Hitchens so often said. Yes. That the essence of the logical thinker, I'm paraphrasing, please. Independent mind. Of the independent mind. Lies in not do you have what it, it right thinks, there? What but are you how doing? it thinks. I memorized it because I'm his number one fan, All right, not then, you. Then say it. 
Because uh, we were stepping all over each other's dicks right there. The essence of the independent mind lies not in what it thinks, but how it thinks. Wow. That might not be it, but Brittany that's closer Page, than you everybody. were. Brittany Page. It's closer than you were. That is just awesome. And Something like that. Everyone knows it was closer than me. You don't have to keep saying it over and over. All right. Next up <laughs> on the listener communication docket. That sounds a little too official. We talked about last time the incident over New Year's Eve in Germany where hundreds of women were sexually assaulted, if not raped outright, by Muslim men. Some are claiming they were uh, um, brought into the country through the refugee asylum program. Uh, Nikki, our probably, I don't want to say she's our most faithful listener, because we have many, especially yes. in Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. But Nikki brought this to our attention, and really she chastised your humble host for not having brought it to the attention of the audience earlier. Yes. I apologized. I think that things are good between Nikki and I now. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Evidenced by the fact that she did leave us a voicemail via voice memo to give us her opinion, because I did want to know kind of what the what the laws were, what the, the regulations were on like what the mayor had proposed, dress codes and modesty standards. And Nikki called in. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, this is your unofficial European correspondent, Nikki. Um, Jesse, you asked whether or not some sort of dress code could be enforced. Um, no. Mayor Rekol from Cologne is actually a very stupid woman with <laughs> stupid ideas, uh, touting the patriarchal view that it's actually a woman's responsibility not to get raped, putting the onus on women instead of men. Um, so no, um, Germany is a free Western democracy, just like many countries in Europe, just like the United States. And it's unthinkable that some sort of dress code would become law and could be enforced. So that's not going to happen. Um, this was just stupid advice. Um, yeah. But honestly, this was actually probably the goal of those uh, mass sexual assaults. It's a weapon, and it's been used in Egypt, other northern African countries, and Middle Eastern countries to force women to don uh, hijabs, niqab, um, to not go out unaccompanied. And it's been very success successful in these countries. And this is, in my mind at least, pretty much the same thing. Um, this was something organized and it was meant to force women to behave differently, um, which is not going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen locally. Um, yeah. As for the refugees, yes, definitely refugees were involved. At least 38, um, as far as I know, have been apprehended by the police. I don't know if they've been arrested, if there's any case to be made against them. But certainly lots of refugees were involved. But you have to keep in mind that Refugees doesn't necessarily mean Syrian refugees. Um, there's a lot of young single men flooding Europe right now pretending to be Syrian refugees, either 
coming in without any papers or false Syrian passports, which can be bought for about $800. Um, these men are not running from war. They're um, coming to Europe in hopes of finding a better future financially. So this is a complicated situation and there is very little vetting going on. Um, when millions of people flood the continent, um, no country has the means to properly vet those people. It's a process that takes months and while they're being vetted, they do get an entry into the country. They get to stay here in Germany, in Sweden, in you know a lot of countries and um, it's creating a lot of problems because not only are these people who need financial support for a long time, um, they also have a very different culture and a different view on what liberty means, um, what women should or shouldn't do, and apparently they feel that they have the right to try and enforce their own views and opinions on people here. And that really is a problem. So, well, I hope that kind of answers your question. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Love the show. Britney's the best part, you know, and everything else. Okay, have a good day. Love the show. Britney's the best part. So I think that Nikki is the best part. Let me tell you something. And I love hearing from her every time we hear from her. <laughs> it really does warm my heart. And I don't mean this to be cheesy or goofy, but it does warm my heart that we have such an intellectual audience that is open to new ideas and different ideas, and they are critical thinkers. They, right. they, they have the right way to think. Not the right things to think, but the right way to think. Right. The essence, right, Brittany? Right. Well, <laughs> well so the, the nuance in what she was saying, right? It's not just this black and white. She's acknowledging that it's a complex issue. And I love how she talked about... Um, you just love how she talks. Yeah, I love how she talks, period. <laughs> I love everything about her. But also, I like specifically when she said this attack was meant to change behavior it was meant to make women do things differently and that's not going to happen right just well, flat out not going to happen there's another element to this that i want to talk about and that is the fact that so many liberals they poo-poo the idea of a social some level of social assimilation or cultural assimilation when people come into you your country whether it be germany whether it be uh, the netherlands where nikki is from or whether it be here and that's, I think that's unreasonable. There should be some level of whether it be a complete assimilation or adherence to the standard, like she talked about, liberty and decency. Women can dress as they want in America, as they can in Germany. And if you've got a problem with it, then you should keep it to yourself or write a blog. You don't get to sexually assault and violently rape on mass because you disagree with what a woman wears or whether that she not have her hair covered in the black ghost outfit all right well <laughs> there you go Brittany. Jesus. views and opinions expressed by jesse dollarmore are solely those of jesse dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany page who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis
I think that's kind of the the point, not what you just said. But the assimilation thing. That every well, everyone should be allowed to do what they want, free of harassment. Right. If, if, if you want to dress and you want to be covered from head to toe, great. That's your choice. If you want to wear something where you know it's really short and your your cleavage is out, then do whatever you got to do. And we should all be free to do that without being harassed in public. As long that's it. As you are not infringing upon the rights and liberty of another human being, then you're okay. As long as you're not infringing on someone else. And the government shouldn't be telling anyone how to dress, whether it's you need to wear, um, you know, head to toe covering or you need to make sure that your cleavage isn't showing, you know, whatever it is. No, you're not telling anyone what to do. It's getting real hard for me to keep my cleavage from showing lately because packed on a few pounds after the holidays and my moobs they're growing okay they're getting real juicy <sighs> speaking of juicy god damn that is good oregon militia we've talked about them the lovely loving john ritzheimer fuck your book <laughs> Jesus. fuck your religion Take it all and shove it up your fucking ass! Uh, and his he mom. Is the worst. He's not a Christian! His mom. It must be his mom. <laughs> we talked about last time how he has complained about all of the bags of dicks that are being sent to them through the mail. I liked that you also took note of my Facebook post I made to the I Doubt It page where I used a hashtag bag of dicks. Bag of dicks. Yes. Very, very funny. Thank and also you. very accurate because mm-hmm. they are being sent bags of sex toys. Yes. Apparently, they asked for snacks. And what better way to while away the hours in protest than to fill your mouth with black dildos? This is... Or other parts. Anyway. This is, this is a lot. I can only play the disclaimer once a show. Okay, so just, well, you're going to have to live with it. Everyone knows that I'm not associated with you. All right. Okay. Well... The the owner, the cre- co-creator of Cards Against Humanity, apparently it's a game like Apples to Apples, never played. Every time I say I've never played, I get admonished and chastised. Every but, time I say I've played and then how I feel about it, I get chastised. <laughs> so I will just sit here. This gentleman, for eleven to $1,200 and $18 shipping had a 55-gallon drum of lubricant, sexual aid lubricant, sent to John Ritzheimer and the group. On Thursday, Max Temkin, a Chicago-based designer, and this does not say he is the co-creator of Cards of Humanity, but we'll just take your word for it, Jesse D. He is. Posted to Twitter his order of a 55-gallon drum of personal lubricant, which he kindly sent to the Oregon militia. It cost him more than $1,000. <laughs> and he he showed the screenshot. It, he ordered it on Amazon. Yeah. And there is a screenshot here, and it says grand total $1,193.81. <laughs> Some people are just too goddamn good for their own good. Too clever. Too creative for their own good. And this guy is one of them. We all owe him a great deal of of support and thanks for going out of his way and spending his hard-earned money to make such a hilarious statement. Well... Yeah, I mean, it is funny, but there's also like hardworking podcasters that could have really used (laughs) 
you know, I mean, if he's just throwing money away. Right. He might as well throw it somewhere where it's useful. I that's pretty useful. <laughs> and I'm not talking about us. I'm just there's many. Well, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Go adopt. A, go go adopt a puppy. Okay. <laughs> there's all kinds of causes. Anyway, we're gonna move on. Well, actually, we know we got one more one more item of follow up. A little bit more serious. No lube involved here. We've been talking about Sean Penn's interview and the, to say the least, relaxed journalistic standards of the Rolling Stone. Well, Sean Penn, with 60 Minutes, sat down with Charlie Rose to talk about his interview and apparently is expressing regret. That I'm asking now. Mm-hmm. You have no regrets. Yeah, I, I, I have a terrible regret. What I, are the regrets? I have a regret that the entire discussion about this article um, ignores its purpose, which was to con- try to contribute to this discussion about the uh, policy and the war, war on drugs. Let's go, let's go to the big picture of what we, what we all want. We all want this drug problem to stop. We all want the, the killings in Chicago to stop. We are the consumer. Whether you, whether you agree with Sean Penn or not, there is a complicity there. And if you are in the moral right or on the far left, just as many of your children are doing these drugs. Just as many. And how much time have they spent in the last week since this article come out talking about that? One, one percent? You're I saying think there's not generous. much dialogue about... As my article failed. Time. Let me be clear. My article has failed. Here's, here's the deal. I don't know how much efficacy Sean Penn expected from his article to, spur, to spark a conversation about the war on drugs and its many, many failures. You won't get any disagreement from me on this matter. It has failed. However, when there are lines in your article that you wrote justifying or diminishing the blame of El Chapo and the role that he's played in 34,000 grisly murders, you're not going to, listen, you're not going to spark a conversation when you're commiserating and, and explaining away that he's just a businessman. That's, come on, Sean Penn. Let's be realistic. Yeah. Well, it's been kind of a good thing, the reaction to this, at least for me. I I believe so. It's made me hopeful because it's been pretty consistent that most people think what he did was was not great. And a lot of the commentary I've seen on it is that he made himself the story, kind of. Right. And journalists are supposed to kind of step out of the scene and... Just like he did in Haiti after the earthquake. Yeah. It was the Sean Penn show. Yeah, and that's what it is now. And so he's disappointed that people aren't focusing on the war on drugs and where it has failed. Well, you interviewed El Chapo, who has escaped from prison, and he was wanted, and you met with him before he was recaptured. People are going to be interested in El Chapo. He broke out of the prison. The other thing about this is, that we haven't talked about, is... I think Sean Penn's a little nervous now because the Mex- oh, Mex- yeah. the Mexican government is very clear. Listen, we caught El Chapo because of the fact that Sean Penn wasn't very 
clandestine. Yeah. He wasn't real sneaky. He was easy to find, easy to follow, easy to listen to, mm-hmm. easy to, to surveil. Mm-hmm. And that's how we found El Chapo. And Sean Penn now is, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't want El Chapo's goons who chop people's limbs off, who sight, set them on fire, who hang them from bridges for people to see dead. He doesn't want them on his trail. Well, lucky for Sean Penn, El Chapo is a businessman first. That's right. Yeah. So he'll only resort to violence (laughs) if that's really, really necessary. As quoted by Sean Penn. But I do want to say it is funny because during this Charlie Rose interview, he was he was very concerned. And he said, listen, how is the Mexican government being truthful here when they didn't catch him until a month after I met with him or whatever? And what Sean Penn isn't realizing is that they could have found him when Sean Penn met with him and then been tracking him this the right. whole time. Now they know his location. Right. So he's trying to poke holes in the Mexican government logic in a very ineffective way. Right. And in a way that's not going to protect him, quite frankly. He's trying to jingle his keys to, as a distraction for mm-hmm. Chapo's guys. Yeah. Little shorty's guys. Not working. Right. Well, that is very interesting. We will maintain... Some level of interest in this to follow up in the future. Moving on. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Before we move on, I would like to extend a very warm, very genuine thank you to our latest PayPal supporter. It's not just Patreon. You can also support this endeavor, support us moving the conversation forward uh, via PayPal. And, and Devin is the latest member of our growing army. Maybe I shouldn't say army. <laughs> So thank you very much, Devin. We appreciate we appreciate it very, very much. We can't express just how much uh, all of your support is. Yes. Thank you, Devin, very much. And I also want to say thank you to Dan and Nikki for contributing. Because yeah. Because I don't think I said that. And I'm thankful for everyone who contributes to the show. Oh, look at us. The other thing is uh, tomorrow afternoon, the latest bonus debate episode of tonight's debate will be released for those Patreon and PayPal supporters. So be looking in your email inboxes for those notifications of the passwords. It was a pretty good debate. It was. It was. Uh, there was a little bit. There was a little bit of a snoozer about three quarters of the way through. <laughs> but all in all, pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Although I think... Martin O'Malley kind of got screwed over. But that's neither here nor there. Save it for the app. We will. That'll be in the old sode. <laughs> Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I am excited, Brittany Page. I am excited because I believe that Donald Trump is very soon... To be out. You do. Not soon as in a week or even maybe a month, but soon relative to his time in the spotlight thus far. Well, we do have two weeks until the Iowa caucus. I am thankful for this, though. I am thankful that before his departure, his 
his predicted departure, he was able to give us a, a theme song for our program. Oh, God. Cowardice. Are you serious? Apologies for freedom. I can't handle this. When freedom brings Andrew the call. On your feet, stand up tall. Freedom's on our shoulders. USA. <laughs> Enemies of freedom. Face the music. Come on, boys. Take them down. President Donald Trump knows how to make America great. Oh, God. Deal from strength or get crushed every time. Get crushed every time. Little girls sing about getting crushed every time. Over here, USA. over there, USA. freedom and liberty everywhere. Oh, say can you see it's not so easy, but we have to stand up tall and answer freedom's call. This is just child indoctrination at its very worst. USA. Ameritude. Oh, is that Ameritude? Wow. Over here, USA. Over there. How long is this? Freedom 19 more seconds. I don't know if I can do it. This is the new show intro. <laughs> no, it's not. Wow, right? These girls. How amazing is that? These girls are going to be furious with their parents when they are older and a little educated. This is akin, except maybe not quite as offensive. This is akin to bringing your child to an abortion protest and enforcing them to hold a sign with a chopped up fetus in it, on it. It's, this is absurd, Forcing your kid to campaign for Donald Trump and do a little song and dance in front of his audience is it's a little disturbing. Also, if you're going to have him do it for the love of Jesus, teach him how to lip sync a little better. It was. Oh, I thought they were singing live. Oh, no. I'm joking. I don't think they're singing live. That was a track. Yeah. And it was terribly. I mean, they're little girls. So there's only so much shitting on the little kid that I can do. Please. Yes. But if you're going to shit on a little kid. Let it be a Trump supporting kid. <laughs> uh, well, that's not their choice. They're being forced into that. Hey, man, that's not my deal. Uh, funny's funny. Okay. You know, you that's, know? that's true. <laughs> that is true. And the other thing that I wanted to talk about briefly is Aaron Burnett, I believe it was Aaron Burnett, was interviewing Trump about the lottery and what a prospective winner, Hillary Clinton of the lottery, would do with the money. I don't know how they even got on the topic because it's ridiculous on its face, but his answer was even more 
Ridiculous. All right, so the $1.5 billion jackpot. So I guess what's that get her? Uh, $900 million. She's got to pay taxes, right? Uh, does that change the game for Clinton? What do you say? Well, I don't know what's going to happen with her. I've been watching her, but I would give my money to the vets, and she would give hers to herself. And I think that maybe shows the difference between the two people. <laughs> Here's what's great about this. You do have $1.5 billion. He has what a if, net worth of $4 billion. Yeah. What have you done with your billions of dollars, Donald Trump? What? How much money have you given in charitable donations to the vets? I would venture to say it's not $650 million that he's so graciously and altruistically given to vets such as myself. Because right. I don't know if you know, Brittany Page, I was in the Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> And well, the thing is, you know, he's saying she's going to keep it all for herself. Right. Have you seen where Donald Trump lives oh with my God. the gold plated everything in the Manhattan high rise apartments? It's like a Persian casino if such a thing exists. It is covered in gold. Come on. I mean, Hillary Clinton has several mansions. You know, she's she's living yeah, high life, too. She's certainly not uh, scraping Trying to, to get by. But he's trying to insinuate that she is more greedy than he is right. with well, his he, gold apartments. The thing about Donald Trump is he always tries to come across as this gracious and, oh, I'm just so, I, I just, I'm so, I'm a great guy. I get along with everybody. And I want to display just how much of a great guy he is not. He was in Pensacola just about five days ago. And apparently he was having technical difficulty with a microphone into which he was speaking, and he lost it just a little bit. $505 billion. We're going to lose that. $505 billion. And by the way, I don't like this mic. Whoever the hell brought this mic system, don't be the son of a bitch to put it in, I'll tell you. No, this mic is terrible. Stupid mic keeps popping. Do you hear that, George? Don't pay him. Don't pay him. You know, I believe in paying. But when somebody does a bad job, like this stupid Mike, you shouldn't pay the best. Eh? Terrible. Terrible. It's true. And you got to be tough with your people because they'll pay. They don't care. They'll pay. So we're not going to pay. I guarantee you I'm not paying for this mic. Every, every, two, every two minutes I hear like boom, boom. Anyway, I hope it's okay for you out there, but it really is. Boy, you are real. Look at that. Look up there. It's packed up to the rafters. Man. Holy mackerel. Uh, so anyway, that just kind of goes to show that the kind of nice guy that he is and understanding that, oh, sometimes technical things happen. Well, let's get somebody out here to fix this or just work through the problem. He's not that kind of guy. This kind of leads me into why I think he's out of here soon, relatively soon. I guess that's a relative term. During the debate, the last debate, the sixth GOP primary Republican debate, there was an exchange between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz about New York values. Here it is, if you didn't hear it. You know, I think most people know exactly what New York values are. From New York, I what, 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 you're from New York, so yeah. you might not. But I promise you, in the state of South Carolina, they do. And, and listen, there are many, many wonderful, wonderful working men and women in the state of New York. 
But everyone understands that the values in New York City are socially liberal or pro-abortion or pro-gay marriage, focus around money and the media. And, and I guess I can, can frame it another way. Not a lot of conservatives come out of Manhattan. I'm just saying. <laughs> conservatives actually do come out of Manhattan, including William F. Buckley and others, just so you understand. New York is a great place. It's got great people. It's got loving people, wonderful people. When the World Trade Center came down, I saw something that no place on earth could have handled more beautifully, more humanely than New York. You had two 110-story buildings come crashing down. I saw them come down. And we saw more death and even the smell of death. Nobody understood it. And it was with us for months, the smell, the air. And we rebuilt downtown Manhattan. And everybody in the world watched, and everybody in the world loved New York and loved New Yorkers. And I have to tell you, that was a very insulting statement that Ted made. I was actually a little shocked that Donald Trump had the political wherewithal and understanding to invoke 9-11 in order to try to get back at uh, Ted Cruz for having said the, the remark about not having New York values. Right. He sounded like a seasoned politician. Right. We, uh, although cheesy, because I hate when people just like how Hillary Clinton did in that one debate talking about, well, the reason that I get support from Wall Street is because after 9-11, I was down there to help them. Ugh. But he, here's here's the deal is, one, it was a very smart political move on, on Ted Cruz's place because he's not campaigning to New York City voters. They say that 10% of, of New York is conservative. And let me tell you, those 10% of New Yorkers who are conservative, they understand what Ted Cruz means by that. He's not speaking to New York. He's not trying to get their vote because liberals in New York aren't looking or even swayed by Ted Cruz's his, his message. They're not looking to mo- possibly vote for him. They also don't really care what Ted Cruz has to say. Absolutely. Most likely. So Donald Trump, because he does have a fundamental misunderstanding of flyover country, as it's called, of regular America, salt of the earth Americans, you know, whether you're in Missouri or whether you're in Minnesota or whether you're in Tennessee, he doesn't really understand because he is a born and bred New Yorker. So he's taking this message on the road now to talk about what a nasty guy Ted Cruz is. He has doubled down on this issue of New York values. He, he lumped you in yesterday with Hillary Clinton, Andrew Cuomo, Bill de Blasio, and said he apologizes to the millions of New Yorkers let down by liberal politicians. Look, the truth is he's a nasty guy. He was so nice to me. I mean, I knew it. I was watching. I kept saying, come on, Ted, let's go, kid. But he's a nasty guy. Nobody likes him. Nobody in Congress likes him. Nobody likes him anywhere once they get to know him. He's a very, um, he's got an edge that's not good. You can't make deals with people like that. And it's not a good thing. It's not a good thing for the country. Very nasty guy. You know who used to like Ted Cruz? Um, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> But now, because they're competing and Ted Cruz has started saying some not so great things about Donald Trump, what happens when 
you say not so great things about Donald Trump. All of a sudden, everybody hates him. Right. You know, Donald Trump has never known someone where they hate him and he just loves them and wishes that they would like him back. Or he's <laughs> never said anything negative about somebody who only lauds praise upon him. Right. He He's, oh, I, I love him because he has nothing bad to say about me. That, right. That's not how it works. <laughs> Right, but now but now the bromance is over. Quote right. unquote what Donald Trump has said. Right. So here's the deal. And this is why I think he's out of the race. We're getting a long we're taking a long way to get here, but Donald Trump is now he's taking this on the road. He was speaking before a tea party heavy group and this took place where the audience started to turn on him. They're using right now political hacks. They're using people that gave campaign contributions. I mean, you give a campaign contribution to Ted Cruz, you get whatever the hell you want, okay? Whatever you want. And he's a very nice guy, but you give him. You have to get, right? <laughs> you have to get, well, excuse me, excuse me. He didn't report his bank loans, excuse me. Didn't report his bank loans? Say whatever you want. He didn't report bank loans, that's okay. He didn't report his bank loans. He's got bank loans from Goldman Sachs. He's got bank loans from Citibank folks. And then, and then, and then he acts like Robin Hood. You know, say whatever you want, but doesn't work that out. Here's my prediction, and this is, this is part and parcel to what I'm talking about. He so fundamentally misunderstands the voter who now largely supports this nutter, Ted Cruz, that he is miscalculating. It's a misstep for him to try to denigrate Ted Cruz in front of his quote-unquote family. These are his people. And when you try to shit on him, it's going to be backlash in a big way. Yeah, and I think that Ted Cruz is is helping to make this happen because he is going on the attack. And at an event, he recently said, Donald's record does not match what he says as a candidate. It seems Donald has a lot of nervous energy. For whatever reason, Donald doesn't react well when he's going down in the polls. So he's starting to make comments publicly on his attitude, how he's a poor right. loser, all these things. And I think that that speaks to the voters. Absolutely. Well, and it's also, it's just, it's going to be self-destruction from here on out. Ted Cruz is going to win in Iowa, as I've predicted. It's going to give him a five to eight to nine point bump going into New Hampshire. He may win there. He may not, but he will do well, which will lead him to South Carolina, where it'll just be a snowball of support. After Iowa and New Hampshire, other candidates will drop out because of the fact that they're seeing no support and their supporters will will have to, you know, trickle up, as it were. To, to higher level candidates and it's not going to go to Trump. So we've seen the best, the best days of Trump are behind him. Let's just put it that way. So according to Google, Marco Rubio is two inches taller than Ted Cruz. So why was he wearing those boots? <laughs> Who cares? Okay, he's just a, a side note. He's a Miami fashionista. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Next up, and let's finish up Dollamocracy with this. Mike Huckabee, on the road in Clinton, Iowa. <laughs> I would say it was a town hall meeting, but I think that that would be a little generous. This whole audio clip that I'm going to play took place in what looked like like a the break room of a Denny's, the back room of a of a you know Holiday Inn Express, and he's he's taking questions after his speech from the audience, from this room full of people, and a woman 
got in his ass a little bit about his support for the Duggar family, Josh Duggar in particular, the the 19 kids and counting TLC star who admitted to molesting multiple family members. All right, let me see if you've got any questions. I'll be happy to try to ask. Yes, ma'am, right over here. Um, you talked about the children. What's your views on child abuse? Well, I don't know of anybody who is for it. Uh, I mean, I think it's an abominable practice, anybody would abuse a child. I think the ultimate form of child abuse in this country is abortion. It's the most irreversible form of child abuse. But the abuse of any child, regardless of what age, is uh, an unacceptable How come behavior. you support it, then? How come what? You support it. Oh, why on earth would you say I support child abuse? It, you, you support it on your websites. When the Duggars came out and their son had molested their child, you more or less said that you felt sorry for their parents. Their parents let it continue for a year. You don't know, ma'am, I'm sorry, but let no. me just stop you. No, let me stop you, because you're accusing me of supporting child abuse. Yes, I'm going to take you on on that, because that hurts my feelings, and it's absolutely you know It hurts my feelings, too, well, that somebody you. like you are that running for... Mike Huckabee's quote after the uh, Duggar situation happened. Janet, his wife, and I want to affirm our support for the Duggar family. Josh's actions when he was an underage teen are, as he described them himself, inexcusable. But that doesn't mean unforgivable. Today, Janet and I want to show up and stand up for our friends. So, again, look, he didn't he didn't necessarily support, but he certainly wasn't. He didn't then speak as forcefully as he you'll hear him do in a few minutes and let me just say b- before we go forward for those of you who didn't hear us talk about the the duggar situation when it happened um the issue is that josh duggar never received treatment he never got help it was covered up he was protected and his he- parents sent him to help remodel a friend's a friend of the family's house right it was like a Christian work program or something. Right. He, he didn't go and get counseling. He didn't go and get some sort of treatment for why he was molesting his sisters. Right. And a friend of the family. Right. And so when Mike Huckabee comes out and he says, you know, he's putting emphasis on underage teen and all these things, that's fine. Okay. Well, I want to correct that because Josh, it has been um, released that he it wasn't just when he was underage. He did this into his 18th year, so he was a man. He was an adult when he did this. Right, so he is supporting and saying, I'm standing by this family when, you know, Josh Duggar never got help. So you're standing by someone who just did this, didn't receive any consequences, didn't receive help. That seems like a problem. But It's the not getting help, I agree. That is the problem. The American public. Ma'am, let me tell you something. You have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know that family, and I do. You don't know them. I've never supported so child abuse. So Let me finish. So do you Let do me you... finish. Okay, you can, but I do. You bet I can. This is my event. You accuse me of supporting child oh, abuse. Oh, it's all right at your event, but if somebody disagrees Ma'am, with I'm you... I'm going to finish. You do not know that family. I do. I've never supported anything that happened to those daughters. I supported the fact that those daughters were maliciously and savagely abused, not just by their brother, 
but by the news media who exploited them for their own purpose right. without regard for what it was doing to those young ladies. It's the news media. It, Mike Huckabee, where were you with that language about what happened to these girls right. when all this came out? Right. All you were talking about is the Duggar family, Josh. You right. weren't you weren't talking about how they were savagely mistreated. He took the we're not we're not perfect, we're just forgiven line from Christianity, which is ludicrous. He harmed possibly permanently his sisters. This is sexual trauma that they will carry with them very possibly for the rest of their lives. Right, so he can be tough on it now, but the thing is he wasn't tough on it then. Right. And that's what this woman is addressing. That's exactly right. I know that I've known them since they were babies, and you don't, and you don't know those parents, and you don't know what those parents did and how they worked to try to take care. We don't know... Bill Cosby, personally. Yes, you're right. We don't know. I mean, this is a little more serious, but like Charles Manson, Ted Bundy. You know, we didn't know these people personally, but we heard about what they've done, what they did. And what they admitted to doing. Right. And Not then, necessarily Bill Cosby, but the, the others. Right. And then we're able to make a judgment about what's going on with that person based on what we have learned. And so when he says, I have lo known them since babies. Right. Oh, I'm glad that their baby behavior cancels out like what they grew up to do. <laughs> well, he's known them longer. So clearly he has a stranglehold on whether or not they were irreparably harmed via this sexually, tra this sexual trauma. Ugh. Of their entire family. You girls don't in their rooms. Know. So, Josh, put so how do you know that? Because you read a tabloid, you read People magazine, oh, you don't me, know. You, guys, you know what? No, you know what? You've come in here to confront me, which is fine. But you cannot abuse, which is what you're doing, the reputation of a godly family uh. who have been through hell because a son of theirs, one of their many children, did something evil and sinful that nobody is backing up and supporting. But I would support any family who tries to work through their problems under the grace of God. And as a Christian... And someone believes that if a person has a problem in their family, that somehow they're fair game to be criticized without people knowing what the heck they're talking about. So I'm going to ask you to stop talking about them unless you personally know them. The parents were knew about it. They let it go on for over a year. When they found year. out about it, they stopped it, and they, they began to they seek treatment. We're going to end it there. It goes on for another couple minutes. I, I will say this, that at the end, Mike Huckabee, in true douchebag fashion, he as she's exiting, and she's still kind of chirping and saying things, he really wants the last word. And in true Mike Huckabee fashion, it's a joke. And he says, he points at her as she's leaving the room and says, I'm going to mark her down as an undecided. <laughs> and the whole room kind of smugly laughs. So I think we've already talked enough about that this is shitty. This is terrible. Mike Huckabee also on his way out of the presidential election. But here's another point, And this kind of goes back to Trump is you'd have to watch this video, which we will put on the Facebook page. If you haven't gone and liked the Facebook page yet, go and do that. 
But there's a stark difference between the behavior of the Mike Huckabee supporters in this room in the face of a dissenter and what happens at Donald Trump rallies. Great point. Very peaceable. One woman stood up one time and like put her hand up to be like, hey, calm down, sit down, be quiet. But no one got in her face. No one confiscated her coat and threw her into the cold. There was no violence. Nothing like that. It was very civil. There were stupid things said on the part of the candidate, but it was civil the entire time. And that's not what we're seeing from the radical camp of Donald Trump. That's just, a, it just struck me and I wanted to say that, so. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I did not like how Mike Huckabee was talking to her. Right. But that's okay because he is not going to be president. That is fact. That is a lot of fact right there. <laughs> All right, let's move off of Dollamocracy and let's move into our second to last story. All I have on the on the rundown board is significant digits and the number 84%. Right, so significant digits are something that 538 does every day and they pull significant digits from the news. <laughs> oh, wow. Is that why they call it significant digits? Yes, and <laughs> they cover it. So I liked this one from January 12th. I know it's a little old. Sorry about that. 84%, the percentage of women in tech who have been told they're... In- in tech, like technology? Yes. Oh, okay. Have been told they are too aggressive, according uh, to a new survey. Compare that with 50% of women who were told they're too quiet. Yes. So there is an intersection here between <laughs> quiet and aggressive. Right. And basically, you just can't win. So there's a majority of both. There's 50% in one. Are being too, told they're too quiet. Too quiet. And 84%. I wonder where the intersection is between... How many of the 84% who have been told they're too loud that have also been told they're too quiet? Because there does seem to be some weird schizophrenic thing going on in tech relative to how women are treated. Pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. We're going to need to figure out what you mean when you're saying schizophrenic. Uh, are you meaning bipolar? I don't know. Like, uh, like you got one... It's like hearing voices. You see this, and then you also see this. You think this, and then you also think this. Okay. So, Brittany Page, (laughs) the audience knows that you're in the final months of grad school, that soon you will be a a lofty clinical psychologist. Well, and I am just your lowly, your lowly, humble host. Clinical psychologist will be a couple more years. Who sometimes. Uses colloquial language. Okay, so I like how <laughs> 538 says there um, is possibly a systematic bias against women in the tech field, and the above figures speak to their male peers' inability to conceptualize women as fully formed thinking individuals, right? This yeah. means sometimes they're quiet, sometimes they're less quiet, <laughs> and they're being leaders. So, right. um,. <laughs> Maybe just tone it down a bit on the... It's weird. Yeah, well, it's annoying because I've also had the same problem. We've talked about this before where I've been told I'm too aggressive. Right. And, and things like that. And you, you've, you've, ex- you've expressed it on the, on the program that people often want you to be a delicate lady rather than an assertive, strong, bold woman. Right. 
And it's really annoying yeah. to be in that spot because when men are in the workplace and they're leaders and they're leading, no one is like, oh, whoa, he's too aggressive. <laughs> no, they're just like, look at that man leading and that, taking charge. That guy is a goddamn boss. Right. And then that the lady's doing it. It's like, oh, look at that bitch over there telling everybody what to do. She's all bossy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's annoying. For sure. I-, I could see that. I mean, no one ever expects me to be a delicate lady. So I have a hard time really putting myself in the shoes but I, I try to take a stab at empathy once in a while oh good all right let's finish with a little taking care of biz taking care of biz iceland i don't think that's how you say it Iceland. Iceland. Okay. It's well, not Iceland. Okay, see, I messed myself up because... Is it Maryland? No, listen, I messed myself up because <laughs> I say Homeland. You do say Homeland. Instead like of the, Homeland. Homeland, the program on Showtime. Right, so I messed myself up. I apologize. <laughs> okay, Iceland. So what does... How is, Ice, how is Iceland... Iceland. <laughs> how is the land of ice taken care of bits? Um. Well, a poll was done. And we'll just get this out right, right. uh, We'll just get this out right in the beginning. The poll was conducted by the Icelandic Ethical Humanist Association. So there may be bias involved in their results. Right, because it's an association of Icelandic atheists. All right. And they found that 46.4% of Icelanders identify as religious. Or Icelanders. Which I'm... Oh, okay. Still doing it. Okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Which is the lowest figure to date. So 4.6% of Icelanders yeah. identify as religious. Okay, but going further. That's a low percentage for a whole country. Right. Going further, 93.9, these are very specific numbers, percent of Icelanders younger than 25 believed that the world was created in the Big Bang. either had no opinion or thought it had come into existence through some other means. Pretty good. All good numbers. 0.0% believed it has been created by God. Wait, wait, wait. 0.0%. Those are... That would lead me to believe that there's possibly some, some chicanery afoot here because you don't get those kind of absolutisms, those certainty... That much certainty in numbers in polling. Well, I'll tell you what. This just must be like the most violent, um, just terrorist population. Right, right. On earth. Well, you know that atheists are, they're devil worshipers. Well, how do they have any sense of morality? Right. Where is it coming from? Must be rampant in Iceland. Yeah. Because... (laughs) <laughs> if they nice don't land. believe in God, mm-hmm. in Jesus, uh, yeah. then how on earth are they able to focus their moral compass and go into the right direction? This is a country where they're actually in they're actually jailing bankers who act criminally. This is a country that doesn't have a fossil fuel consumption problem. This is a country who has a handle, a fucking stranglehold on many issues that this Christian nation struggles with. Yeah, there are... I was up my soapbox. The homeland is is sinking. (laughs) It is going down. 
the homeland of Iceland <laughs> is having big problems. Yeah, it is not good. All right. But anyway, this was interesting. So Super that's interesting. That will also be on the Facebook page. Listen, if there's anything you'd like to sound off about from this episode or anything in the past 187 episodes, we'd love to hear from you. You can sound off via our voicemail line with a fewer than three-minute message. 657-464-7609. And of course, there is always emailing a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are eagerly awaiting your messages and your communication with the show. We love you. We appreciate you. We thank you for tuning in as often as you do to join with us in moving the conversation forward. As you know, it isn't necessarily about agreeing all of the time. What is most important is having that conversation. We love you. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. shoulders USA enemies of freedom face the music come on boys take them down president donald trump knows how to make america great deal from strength or get crushed every time over here Yeah.